Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, and welcome to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. This is your host, Felicia DeRozier, my amazing co-host, Cross, and Mariah's still working that extra job. We've got a couple more weeks without her, but I'm hoping she comes back after that, right? Because mm-hmm. we've missed her, and I think she's missed us. We'll see. Hopefully. We hope. We hope. <laughs> well, welcome. We have quite a show lined up for you today. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Romans 12. Actually, a portion of the verse that, um, strangely enough, there was very little commentary on. So we're going to talk specifically, kind of dig deep into that verse. And then um, we have uh, no testimony today. Instead, we're going to be talking about Psalms 23, which is one of the most famous uh, sections of the Bible, in my opinion. Um, So pretty sure if you're not familiar already with Psalms 23, as soon as I read it, you'll go, oh, yeah, I know that one. It, my, the Lord is my shepherd, my yes. shepherd. Yes. That one. Yes. So very, very famous. I and, it right when you said the verse. Right, right, right. But most people don't know it by Psalms 23. They usually know it by um, seeing it in clips of TVs and um, movies and things like that. And usually read, it, what kind of occasion is that usually read on TV? Uh, I don't know. See it all the time, right? But read in funerals. Oh, okay. And so it's it's actually a really famous verse, but not, in my opinion, a funeral verse. Don't read this one at my funeral, okay? Um, cause it's, really I don't know. We'll talk. But anyway, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's cut to commercial break, and then we'll get started on this awesome show. We all know that times are tough, and things are really expensive right now. So why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked, or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out Marty.com. Food waste is one of the most easily solvable problems, literally the low-hanging fruit of environmentalism. Pardon the pun, it's my job. About 20% of all produce never makes it off the farm. It's because they just look a little funny, a little weird, but when you cut into it, it's perfectly good food. It's just a total shame. It's totally good stuff. 
we buy ugly produce directly from farms that often would go to waste because supermarkets won't buy it because of how it looks, and we deliver it to people's doors. This isn't that ugly at all. Like, that's the most common first box, like, complaint we get. We change that. We educate people. We show them how amazing these fruits and vegetables are. To have food delivered to your house. Box of produce every week. And it's more affordable. At a very reasonable price. Cheaper than the grocery store. I spend a lot less time in grocery stores. It's an adventure every time that you open your box. High quality produce. There's nothing wrong with the produce. And they taste exactly the same. It's not better. Save those fruits and vegetables that get wasted every year. And it's delivered to your door, like, but what, why wouldn't you do? Why wouldn't you do? Please go to our website, freedomizerradio.live, and sign up for Imperfect Foods today. Use our promo code and get money off your first order. Go ahead and get some organic and all-natural meats, dairy, snacks, breads, and non-GMO produce. Just as ungrounded signals wreak havoc on radio communications... There's growing concern that because we are not grounded, we absorb tremendous amounts of electromagnetic radiation from our modern devices. EMF stands for electromagnetic field. We are all immersed in electromagnetic fields from Wi-Fi, from the wiring in our homes, and it disturbs our electrical balance. We get charged. Inside of our bodies, we get electrically charged. Some people have as much as 20 volts on their bodies, and that's not good for you. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. Okay, all the quick legal jargon there, right? Yep. <laughs> get the, uh, make sure you're aware that you are a living, uh, like, uh, you are a living lightning rod. You Everybody know? That, that, okay. That, okay, okay, I can that, see where you get that. Information. All right, well, let's, let's move on to our Bible study here, okay? I don't have to make any legal claims about this. Okay? <laughs> We're just going to study God's word. Did you want to pray for us first? I caught him yawning. Sure. Lord God, thanks for this day. Thank you for everything you did for us. Thank you that uh, we can come out and do the show. I mean, come out to the bedroom, but still come out and do the show. Uh, we thank you for all the good things that you've done for us. And we hope that uh, in the Bible study, Mom is teaching that your words come out of her mouth and not her words. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, today we're going to be studying Romans chapter 12, 4 through 8. So if you're following along with us, you want to open up your Bible, that would be awesome. Uh, that's Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. <laughs> now, um, I think I've mentioned before on the show, if people are interested in knowing what my uh, theological perspective is, I'm a, a Pentecostal. So it was actually really interesting looking up this verse. Um, eight, one through eight? Uh, four through eight. Four through eight. Um, very interesting because there was a lot of commentary about the surrounding verses, but almost nothing about this particular verse. Um, 
and and very silent amongst the Pentecostals, and we're about to see why. Um, but I really thought it was a cool verse to, to look at and to kind of get into. So um, we're going to be spending a lot of time just really analyzing the words that are in the verse, not doing quite as much cross-referencing, but I'll explain why uh, we don't find a bunch of commentaries in just a second. Did you want to read the verse, or do you want me to? Uh, I can read it. Okay, so start on uh, verse 4 there. This is each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we are many who form one body, we, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given according to the grace given us. If a man if a man's gift is prof is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If his leadership may let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. Okay. So um, the the whole point of this verse is really t- to teach people how to function within the church body, right? <laughs> now, this is very different um, than I think what we normally think of as spiritual gifts. Um, so let's, let's first, like, roll back a little bit. This is going to tap in just a little bit to what we were talking last week, but it's a good starting place. The church, and when I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about the building that you attend for service, although that qualifies, <laughs> okay? Uh, but we're talking about the church broadly, the body of believers, the, all the people who are Christians in the world, okay? That's the church. So the church broadly is this body of believers that are supposed to be on mission to achieve the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, to achieve the Great Commission. Right. I thought it was, I kind of thought it was snazzy. And so uh, let's, let's review that real quick again. Of course, I think everyone should be familiar with it, but let's turn to it, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, and I've got this one. Um, and Jesus came and said to them, and this is just before he leaves the earth, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, so So that is the Great Commission, and that's what the church's mission is. Um, Jesus ascends to heaven, and after he ascends to heaven, he sits on the right hand of God. He's done all his work. He's done the great work of reconciling, of reconciling, the people on earth to God, should they choose to be reconciled to him. And now it's all our job uh, moving forward to function as Christ on the church, spreading this good news, this good message of the ability of people to be reconciled. Um, and he's tasked us with this, um, and we're supposed to um, bring that message near and far until he returns, Okay. Um, you guys are whispering right next to the microphone, so probably everybody heard that. <laughs> Caitlin's here, and now she's going to die. <laughs> Poor baby. <laughs> she's so shy. Um, so that's still our job today. Once, uh, once we enjoy 
uh, reconciliation to God ourselves, we move into the process of dying to ourselves, our own goals and desires, and into living as Jesus and living for his goals and desires and helping to bring that message of the cross to the world. Um, so let's talk about these these gifts. Um, they're actually referred to, the, the word that is used there can be translated into graces. So um, think of them as blessings, okay? They're, they're just blessings or graces that are given by God. He's the source. Um, and the word that is used there, we should all kind of recognize, and that's charisma. Um, um, so that's the word charisma, okay? And so um, are you guys familiar at all with the word charisma? I think I've heard of it. I don't exactly know what it means. So a lot of times it just kind of means like that, that like it factor. There's like a special gift that this person has to connect with other people. So it's referring to a unique and special gift. Um, and uh, it's basically something that you're just good at, a bliss, a blessed innate skill. But remember, the source of these skills are God. Uh, beyond just a skill, Paul makes the case that these gifts are given by God for the purpose of using them within the context of the church body. Uh, in the Bible, we can find another list of gifts of the Spirit, and that's actually listed in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, you'll find it verses 14 through 11, then also verse 28. Um, and so here's the question is that why are there two separate lists? And in fact, uh, in almost every commentary that I pulled up, and, and particularly commentaries that were that – were, uh, put out there by Pentecostals like us, they basically almost skipped over the content in this part of the chapter and just said, there's this other list of gifts in 1 Corinthians. Right. Um, and, and really tough, though. So, so the list in 1 Corinthians 12 is, like, definitely what you would consider more um, supernatural gifts prophecy and words of knowledge and words of wisdom and healing right, right, right. And, and miracles, like all the stuff that, you know, we Pentecostals like, well, we expect to see this sort of thing going on. Um, and so this is why it sounds like almost nothing. They, they basically see this list of gifts and go, well, there's another list of gifts over here and they're more miraculous. Right, right, right. Um, so that, why are they listed separate, first of all? And, and it's my belief that this list that we see in Romans is practical and to be used within the church body. Um, it's my observation that the gifts taught in 1 Corinthians are actually often used, um, often seen working, at least in the Bible, most often outside of the church, with the exception of prophecy, which can be done inside and outside. That's not to say that you never see healing inside of a church service. That's just to say that in the Bible, uh, in the book of Acts, or in, in the in the Gospels, we see healings, we see miraculous things taking place most often in the streets and not in the synagogues. Mm -hmm. In fact, I can only think of a couple of occasions where these sorts of things actually happen in the church or the synagogue. Um, so my observation is that Paul is looking at these particular gifts as things that are actually supposed to be at work in the body of Christ 
during church service and when the church meets together as a body, okay? Not that the other ones, it doesn't discount the other ones, um, but I kind of feel like these particular gifts are not getting any attention, so we're going to give them some attention today, okay? Um, so this list seems to be very specific to gifts commonly displayed within the body of Christian believers. Um, now, here the Bible lists the gifts of prophecy, a miraculous gift. Okay, let's, let's face it. You know, we don't just walk in the prophetic all the time, right? Okay. Um, service, very practical. Teaching, very practical. Exhortation, which could be translated as encouragement. Okay. Um, generosity, leadership, and mercy. Those things don't seem particularly, like, mystical, right? <laughs> they don't seem particularly, like, whoa, you are a really good gift giver. You must have a gift from God. Right? Right? Okay. And this is why it's not reviewed a whole lot in the commentaries. People are saying, oh, wow, this is God working. But I really think that Paul put it in here because God is working. And I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. Um, so we all know that both Christians and non-Christians alike um, can be natural leaders, teachers, encouragers, givers, or people who express high levels of mercy or compassion. Uh, the point of the scripture, however, is to encourage the church members to share their natural gifts with the church, because when we use our natural gifts, talents, and resources within God's church body and in line with his will and mission, he empowers our natural gifts through the Holy Spirit. Okay? So the one commentary I did find, and I don't even remember who it was, okay, that really actually addressed this, had this example, and that was, like, consider a candle, okay, a lit candle um, that is burning really faintly, okay? So think of it in a, in a room where most of the oxygens are even expended, and so it's just a little flicker now, okay? That's, like, our natural ability or gift. Um, it's God-given. We had nothing to do with it. We didn't necessarily skill it up, although we may have, um, but it's just our natural innate ability, and it's just kind of flickering there, okay? Um, it's as if we uh, pump oxygen-rich air into that room with a faintly burning candle. What would happen to the candle flame? It'd start burning brighter. Right, right. It would, like, it, it would triple in size and start burning brighter, Okay. So when we start to align our natural gifts and use them according to God's will and in God's um, church, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and empowers that gift and makes it brighter and stronger and, and, and works miraculously through the mundane, which is kind of cool, actually, if you think about it. Um, so once the flame is introduced to this new source of fuel, it burns way more brightly than it could have on its own. And that's the same way that we, we basically are. Now, this is really good news, I think, to a lot of us who go around going, you know, okay, like, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm Pentecostal. So, of course, I expect to see the Holy Spirit show up and do something, okay? But then there's everyday life where people are just teaching the Bible. We just teach the Bible, Right. And certainly the Holy Spirit comes and shows up and, and hopefully translates the word and makes it better than what I was going to say, it, right? But I'm, I'm going to say there's nothing particularly miraculous about me teaching the Bible, right? We're, we're reading and we're, and we're studying it together, okay? We're kind um, of just, like, talking about it. Like, it's not like, uh, like 
uh, two other people are packed in the church and we're like reading off scripture on the stage. Like, I mean, even if it was that, it's still just teaching. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Um, now, of course, we've all seen those teachers where like the Holy Spirit is absolutely present with them and you're learning new things and, and God's just empowering their words. You know what I'm saying? You, you feel a movement of the Spirit. But it's really great to know that if you don't particularly um, associate yourself with someone who is like a prophet or just has words of knowledge all the time or um, is a healer, okay, that you're operating in your everyday talents and gifts in the mundane, everyday workings of life within the church, God is still there empowering you through the Holy Spirit to do better things over and abundance of what you can naturally do. Um, and that's, that's really, really cool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the gifts? Let's talk about them real quick. Um, we've got about seven more minutes to finish this bit up. Um, so prophecy, obviously this is the one that seems a little bit more supernatural, but definitely happens within the church service, right? Yes. Um, the prophet just has a sensitivity to the spiritual realm. They speak forth messages from God, which involves a high degree of trust. So that's why in this um, particular scripture, and I'm going to turn back to it right quick, um, because I want to make sure that we have the correct verbiage there. Um, uh, okay, so um, if they have prophecy in proportion to our faith, um, and that's because being prophetic involves a very high degree of trusting God's voice and recognizing it, right? And that requires a lot of faith. Um, and so maybe um, a person who operates in prophecy is not necessarily going to have big, broad, prophetic words that they stand up in the middle of church and speak at first, right? Um, because how do we learn to trust God? Little, little tiny snippets at a time, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe the first time they have a prophetic gift, they go over to the pastor and they say, hey, pastor, you know, I was um, praying about you the other day and, and the Lord spoke something to me. You know, and, and so maybe it's just a personal conversation with someone who's open to receiving that. Okay. Um, in the proportion to our faith and trust in God, um, it's not necessarily speaking to the official office or title of a prophet. Sometimes you go to a church, and the church has a prophet, okay, like someone who's in the office. I've had a woman on our show before who was a prophet at her church, okay, Um but we're not really talking about the office. Everyone has the ability to prophecy, and people are going to move in that ability in accordance to the faith that they have uh, at the time, okay? Um, so uh, I'm so sorry. I actually do have do not disturb on. I don't know why I'm right. Uh, am I going to miss not next show, but the show after that because of camp? I don't know, but we'll look before we get off, okay, so that we can let our listeners know when you won't be here, okay? Because um, you'll be at camp. You're going to church camp, right? Yep. Um, so the second one is service, okay? This is also not an office or a title, okay? You're not just considered a church servant, so this is not um, the janitor at the church uh, or, or the administrative assistant at the church, although they're clearly servants, right? 
Um, who can be a servant at church? Everyone, right? Um, so uh, some will serve with administrative gifts. Some will serve with manual labor. Others with providing meals or other services to the church. Um, but these are all people who are just jumping in and putting in effort wherever they can. They may be helping in a food pantry or another ministry. They may be moving tables, setting up chairs. Uh, they may be helping with outreach of some sort for the church. They may be helping with um, notes of encouragement to people who are going through things, running, uh, running meals on wheels to people who need it. Uh, there's just a variety of ways that you could be serving in church. And when you're serving in church, the Holy Spirit comes along and empowers that and makes it worth even more. Um, teaching. There are some people who are gifted at teaching, right? Um, and they make challenging concepts easier to grasp. Uh, they're your preachers, your Bible study leaders, youth and children ministry leaders. You'll find them all over the place, okay? Um, so obviously, if you have a gift of teaching, probably you, you may already know it, but you may not. So um, that's a good area to, like, kind of dabble into and see if that's something that you have and can be used in the church. Exhortation. Um, so this is an encourager, okay? And they actually, like, kind of keep the church running by helping to um, encourage your pastors, your leaders, um, your teachers into continuing to use their gifts. Uh, imagine how difficult it would be to continue in any area of ministry or service if you didn't feel like anyone ever noticed or appreciated what you did. How would that be? Would that be easy or would that be hard, do you think? Probably hard. That'd be really hard, right? And especially, um, I'm going to say especially in teaching and in pastoral ministries, because those ministries are, are very uh, prone to having people be, um, for lack of a better word, critical. Um, when you're in an upfront ministry like that, uh, or in a leadership ministry, you you are much more likely to run into people who are critical of your character, critical of your decisions that you're making. Um, and I'm going to say particularly, I think, a pastor who is also a primary leader in a church. Um, not all churches have everything divided up where the pastor is both the primary leader and the primary teacher of the church. Some churches have that responsibility kind of spread out. Um, but when you're basically the sole leader of the church, you're going to fall under a lot of criticism get a lot of not so nice emails that you have to answer, right? Um, so those encouragers who are sending text messages and emails or coming and seeing you after service or seeing you and taking out to lunch and saying, man, you did a really good job. I'm so thankful that you're doing this, can really go a long way in helping those um, upfront leaders. Um, I know that whenever I hear a word from anybody who has heard one of our shows, I get really, really excited when they have good things to say because um, – you know, we're likewise in that situation where it's just the two of us in the room. We don't always get feedback, right? Um, so it can be hard to know whether or not you're having impact. So um, encouragers are super important to all church ministries. Generosity. Um, everyone should give, but there are some people who just get especially excited to give. Um, I actually have a really good friend who is, who is like this in you would be like, wow, that she is the most, most giving person I know. Like, she, she's always like, oh, is there a need? Here, I can fill it, 
Like, she is just the most giving person I know. Um, enthusiastic givers who work harder for the sheer joy of contributing to God's work is what we're talking about. Like, I actually know people who are like, I'm so excited. I got a raise at work, and that means that I have more money I can give to ministry. Like, they're not excited about the stuff they're going to buy. They're not excited about the great in their lifestyle. They're excited about having the additional opportunity to continue to give more to ministry and to the church. And that is absolutely a super gift to have, right? Um, leaders. Um, the scripture says that they should be leading with zeal, and this word means both to move quickly and with their best effort because God deserves our very best. And uh, the last one is mercy. Um, and mercy in this case actually means that those are people who act with compassion and they act upon God's truth in compassion. So this is not to separate grace from truth. We need both. Um, but people who are in, um, uh, who just have this gift of mercy are the people who notice needs. Um, and work their best to fill them. They act as the hands and feet of Jesus in any situation that they can, not neglecting God's truth, but bringing mercy to all the situations. Um, as a Pentecostal, of course, I love looking at those miraculous movements of the Spirit um, listed in 1 Corinthians 12, and maybe we'll do a show on that sometime. Um, but I felt like there was a comforting lesson in this list. And that is that the Holy Spirit, of course, does move mightily in the miraculous, but he also moves miraculously in the mundane. Um, and really the truth of the matter is, is that most of us live day to day in that mundane. Um, you can't, I, I mean, you can experience the miraculous every day, and I'm sure that there are people who do, you know, um, evangelists, missionaries, and things like that. I'm sure that they do. But for the rest of us, um, we're not excluded from this group just because we're not laying hands on people and healing them. Um, God is saying, I'm connecting with you on the, the very natural um, ethereal gifts that you are given. And when you use them for, for my work, it, it becomes empowered supernaturally with the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit fire takes over and just makes your candle burn all the brighter. What do you think of that? Can't hear you know on your hair, head, man. What do you think? Is that is that kind of cool? Yeah. That's good stuff, right? Yeah. All right. Well, let's cut to commercial break, um, and we will come back and talk about Psalm 23. And we'll see you guys in just a few minutes. Of all the grounding studies, the one that really got our attention is called Electric Grounding Improves Bagel Tone in Preterm Infants. In the study, 26 premature babies in an NICU were connected to grounding wires. The heart rates of the grounded infants stabilized. And their vagal tone, a critical measure of infant health, increased by 67% with grounding. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. Did you know that every time you swipe your debit card, those behind-the-scenes transaction fees make the big banks 
even richer? In 2016 alone, these fees added up to $60 billion. Yes, that's billion with a B. Well, what if there was a way to have the convenience of a debit card, but reroute those fees from the banksters to organizations actually doing good in the world? Organizations that protect the environment or feed hungry children? What if your swipes could literally change the world? Well, Groundswell SPC has found a way to do just that. We've designed a Visa debit card program that shares transaction fees with your favorite cause. Groundswell partners with nonprofit organizations that promote the card to their supporters. Their supporters then use the card to power the mission of the nonprofit. It's a win-win-win for everyone, except the big banks, of course. Groundswell is about to launch its first cards into market, and we're inviting you to be part of this movement as an investor in the company. Go to WeFunder.com backslash Groundswell card to learn more. Set up a free WeFunder account and invest in Groundswell today and get your money on mission. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now, so why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light, and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out Marty.com. All right, guys. Well, we're back here with Dynamic Word Bible Studies. If you're just tuning in, this is your host, Felicia DeRozier, and my amazing co-host and my son, Krause. Krause, he's awesome. So we're doing something a little different today. We just finished up our Romans Bible study um, and that was interesting, but a little different, huh? Mm-hmm. Usually we have like 50 bajillion scriptures that we're going to, to show you everything in there. But this time we just kind of wanted to like deep dive into what the actual verse said, because there's just not a whole lot of information Maybe out there. We were like, uh, like scooching into the deep end, but today we're just full on diving in. We're just full on diving in, because we're like, yeah, people don't really write about this very much, so we're going to talk about it. So today, um, I'm going to tell you what the inspiration was. It was floating on Facebook. You know, this is, you know, probably my vice here, okay? I'm floating on Facebook. And I see someone post that Psalm 23 is the weapon is a weapon in the hands of believers. So I was like, that's an interesting concept. And so I pull up Psalm 23 and I start reading it. Now, Psalm 23 is probably other than John 3.16, which is... Wait, no. Ah, it's... 
You forgot to you love the world. He gave his one and only son. Yes. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but get eternal life. Right. Okay. So that's probably the most famous biblical verse. Okay. So other than that, probably. Probably Psalm 23 is the most well-known. Um, but oddly enough, I don't think that people spend a whole lot of time thinking about it. Um, <laughs> it's one that we see a lot on TV. And we had mentioned that the context that we usually see it read in Probably by funerals. Is that funerals? And it's really, really odd because it doesn't. It's it's not really a funeral type of a psalm. It's it's not sad at all, and it's not necessarily talking about going to heaven up until the very last line of the verse. So I think the reason why um, people use this psalm is because it's used in previous movies, and so people know the scripture. It's Old Testament, so it's not going to like. Um, catty corner you into it being a Christian or Catholic service could also be a reading of the Torah, right? Okay. Um, but uh, it has this interesting phraseology in the middle of it about the valley of the shadow of death. And I think that that kind of makes people say, oh, this is about dying. And it's not about dying, is it? Like, not at all. So, um, did you want to read it this morning, or do you want me to? I have it open if you if you want me to read it. Okay. It he says he doesn't have it open. He he closed it. <laughs> He's a little tired today. So we're actually gonna read the whole thing because it's only six verses, um, and it's a Psalm of David. Now, just so you guys know, this is something that I learned recently. The Psalms are like is a collection of Psalms. Also, I think like over seventy of them are written by David. Yes. Absolutely. But we pluralize Psalms when we're talking about the book, but we're talking when we're talking about a particular chapter in this case. Then you call it a psalm. It's a psalm. It's just one. Okay. Right. It would be the same thing as saying it's a collection of songs, and in this case, it's a song. Okay. These are poetic songs that were probably for music <laughs> at some point. They may have rhymed in Hebrew. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe they did. Maybe some of them did. Maybe some of them didn't. So um, it's a Psalm of David, and it reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence, before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So tell me, does that sound like a super sad psalm? No, David did actually write these really intense psalms yeah. when he was being hunted by Saul, by Saul and his father-in-law and Ridley Methodist's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were usually the points in his life where he was, like, writing some of the sad songs. But also when he got, like, an army to fight Saul, mm-hmm. um, he actually wrote some joyful songs that the Lord was with him. So that was really interesting. Right. And so this kind of sounds like one of those because it sounds like he's no, not in it, a safe place. No, now. it was when uh, he was a shepherd. That's when he wrote that. Perfect. I'll have to look. I, I'm not entirely sure of the context when he wrote it. I probably should look that up. Um, I just kind of want to go line by line and kind of talk about what 
is being said here because it's a beautiful psalm, and I think that everybody kind of just loves the words of it, but it's really conveying a message. And the picture is interesting because David, having been a shepherd, knows all sorts of, shall we call them shepherdy things? He knows. Sure. Shepherd-y. We could call them that. Yeah, we could call them that. We could use real words, right? But We could use real words. <laughs> we could call them that. Or we could call them shepherdy things. So he, he knows all about being a shepherd. Right? And I assume he was probably a good one. Um, and so he's making this illustration of God as his shepherd. But, I mean, he killed a bear and a lion. Yeah, he, so. was, he was apparently a pretty good one. So let's talk a little bit about this. The first line says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, and um, this immediately brought to mind the name for God, Jehovah Jireh, right? God that provides, right? Um, God provides for me, he guides me, and he protects me from the danger that surrounds me. That's what a shepherd does. So he's going to make this illustration that God is just like a shepherd to him, okay, making and, sure he has everything he needs to live. And no offense, sheep, they are pretty dumb. Yeah, they're not the smartest animals. Like, actually, if they saw one of them wander off the cliff, they would all follow him and wander off that cliff. Right, right, right. So, so... To the point, sheep are hard to take care of, and they need quite a bit of tending, okay? And he is talking about God's tender care for him in that sort of way. He knows he needs a lot of tending. He knows he needs God to really be paying attention to him, making sure he's not wandering off cliffs, right? So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will not need for anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This is a really weird verse for me always because not the kind of person who likes to partake of rest. Okay? And so when it said he makes me lie down, I'm like, I hate laying down. When I was in kindergarten, and you don't know because you didn't go to regular school, but they used to have nap time, and it used to drive me crazy. Like, everybody had to lay down for, like, 45 minutes in the dark, and I could never sleep. I always had my mind and my body very, very busy and active, and really, the teacher needed a break from us. I think we only had, I, I remember going to a co-op where we had that, but it was kind of only like, yeah, yeah, like 10, did. like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like sitting crisscross double cross. I was like. Right, right, right. Okay, so I don't like being made to lay down. Okay. So what's interesting is that it, almost everywhere I've ever read it, it is translated, he makes me lay down in green pastures, okay? Um, I don't also want to make me lay down. Okay, yes, but, but the actual word in Hebrew is not forceful. It really means to lead you to rest, okay? So he's going to do things that are going to tire me out so that I sleep? It's going to lead you to, to a restful place, okay? And think about how dangerous the world is for a sheep. I mean, there's there's predators, there's all sorts of stuff going on. They walk incessantly. It it, it would be nice if you're a sheep to be led to rest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and since David in this example is the sheep, that's why he said he leads me to rest. Right. Okay. He leads me beside still waters. Now, this is also a place of rest. Um, and David, as a shepherd himself, would have understood the peace of sheep grazing in green pastures and drinking from a, a cool, wow, we're a calm pool of water. Calm, calm. A cool palm. <laughs> a calm pool of water. 
as opposed to a rushing river. Um, what could happen to a sheep if they're trying to to drink from a rushing river? They could fall in. They could fall in. They get swept away. And then all the other sheep would be like, oh, Billy, I'll save you. So he's talking in a very dangerous world about providing safety. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he restores my soul. Um, and the word restores here in Hebrew means to turn my soul back. So to turn my soul back from what, okay? Um, And this kind of leads into the next uh, sentence, which gives us some explanation, you know. What does he need to restore my soul from? He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Okay, so what's he restoring my soul from? Sin, right? I've gone my own way, and he's restoring my soul to the path of righteousness. So, again, think of God leading the sheep that's gone its own way, it's gone astray, and then he helps to bring it back to the right path, and the right path is going to lead to these green pastures, these calm pools of water, these safe places that God wants us to be in his presence and in his will. Pretty cool, right? Mm -hmm. Um, God made promises to Abraham, and he continues to fulfill them in David's life, not because David deserved to be led into righteousness, but because he gave his word. And God is still a God of his word today, and he leads us into righteousness for his name's sake as soon as we accept Jesus as, the Savior, as our Savior. So this promise is also for us, just as much as it was for David, okay? Kind of cool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is the part that always gets it in the funeral scene, guys. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Okay, let's talk about ancient valleys. What does a valley look like? They didn't hear the sound effect. Tell me a little bit about what a valley looks like there, buddy. It's usually... Nobody here but us pillows. Nobody here but us pillows. So a valley is usually like this this, um, deep place of land that is, you know, surrounded by higher cliffs or or higher places. where, so what are the problems with valleys? Okay, you've got this, this deep recess of land that you're walking through. That's that valley, okay? And this valley is even dark, okay? So you're walking through this place that's surrounded on all sides by cliffs. You're walking through, it's dark. You can't really see very much in front of you. What else can't you see? The cliffs. Can't see anything on the cliffs, right? So um, someone could be attacking from the cliffs. Someone could be hiding in the valley and you can't see because it's dark. Even as a person walking through this, how does that feel? Like, That's kind of scary, right? And particularly in the dangerous times when, when they would have been living in, um, you know, so this is the kind of situation because there's no place to run. You're surrounded by these cliffs. So if you're attacked it, within the valley, you can't go anywhere. There's no place to go, right? It's very easy to think of. You know, this would be the kind of place where if you were a traveler, you would get mugged, okay? But then the other picture of the valley is these high cliffs where someone could attack you from above and shoot arrows down at you or something like that. You wouldn't be able to see the oncoming attack. Or the arrows or the people. Or the... It's kind of a frightful place to be. Yes. Okay? Um, so... Um, it's kind of a, a frightful place to be at. Um, valleys are dangerous places. And uh, 
with it being dark, you can't even see what's right in front of you. Uh, but your shepherd is going to be there leading you. Okay? Does that give you a little bit more confidence? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God's love and presence cast out all fear in a situation that would otherwise seem extremely perilous. Pretty cool, right? Okay. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Now, I always I always go to this because I think that the rod and staff symbolism in the Bible is often misused in a way to um, to be permissive of abusive people, okay, especially children, okay. Um, and and the, the verse that is often quoted alongside this is, bear the rod, spoil a child, okay. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about what the rod does, okay. So the rod can be used as a club to smite somebody, okay. Um, it's also used for counting sheep. And it also serves as a mark of a king's authority. Think of it like a scepter. Um, I, I would be remiss not to say that it happens to be the same word that can mean tribe. And so very often in the Old Testament, um, you will talk about the tribes and they're described as rods or their own authority. Makes sense? Because they're their own family. Okay. Um, so a rod um, oftentimes, I've, I've even seen people say that uh, a shepherd would break the leg of their own sheep if they were going astray in order to disable that sheep from, from going astray to save his life. And I, like, honestly cannot imagine a shepherd doing this. Um, that just seems like going too far. Oh, not, not just that it seems like going too far. Like, you're traveling for miles and miles and miles, and you want to carry a sheep for no apparent reason. Right. Like this doesn't really just scoop it up and put it on the right way. Right, right, right. Like they're they're kind of dumb creatures. You can just move them, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, and they'll probably be like, "Hello." Oh, and not to say that a shepherd wouldn't carry an injured sheep on his shoulders, but would he injure his own sheep? Um, that's not what the rod was for. So the rod was used as a club, but the rod was used against attacking bears and lions and wolves. It was not used against the sheep. Now, it was used to hand them in. So if you have a sheep trying to go off the wrong way. Then you can just put the rod in front of them and just. Yes. Like think of it like redirecting a toddler, okay? Um, Nope. And and I'm going to cite the fact that it says that the rod and staff comfort him, not discipline him. That this is really the, the picture that David's going for is that. They're, they're helping to provide boundaries for him. It's helping to keep him on the straight road. Um, it's protecting him from oncoming attacks. Um, it is the provision of, of attack because God is the ultimate authority in his life and no one else. Cool, right? Um, and then the staff. So the staff is like the support staff, the walking stick, but usually it's a crook, okay? It's got that little hook on the end of it. Um, So um, the staff was really cool because the crook would be a way to keep the sheep out of danger. So if the sheep did fall, um, then uh, if the sheep did fall off the edge of a cliff or something like that, the shepherd could just lean over, use his little crook, and hook that little sheep underneath his, his front legs and pull him to safety. 
wouldn't that be nice anytime we were traveling to just have somebody with this little rod that they could just hook us right back to safety? And that's what David says that God's doing for him. When he gets in trouble, so so the the rod is keeping him from trouble, but when he gets in danger, instead of just leaving him there, God pulls off pulls out his staff and just crooks him right back into the fold. Okay, really cool stuff. Um, I can feel confident in this situation that God will guide and protect me and keep me safe. Um, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. This is actually kind of my favorite part of this. Um, I think it's so cool. Um, and the reason why is because sometimes we just eat for sustenance, right? Like sometimes we just need food. What do you do? You go and get like a sandwich and you put it on a paper plate and you sit someplace and you just eat it. You just snuff it down, right? Okay. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about table preparation. And table preparation is a whole other thing. Um, there's intentionality to it. There's ceremony and elegance. A prepared table has both sustenance and decadence side by side. Okay. Think about when we have a prepared table. Can you think of an occasion we have, like, a prepared table? Hmm. Christmas? Yeah, I was about to say, like, Christmas. Or like, that's really or the Easter, only time like, that we actually, like, sit up our table all night. And... Right, right. I was about to say, I mean, we often eat at a table. Right. But that's different from having a prepared table. Like, for us, this is usually an occasion. Now, if if we're having, say, Thanksgiving, and we have a prepared table with the turkey and the potatoes, you don't like potatoes, but I do, and the dressing and the corn and the and the, the rolls. Oh, I eat a dozen of those. I know you love them. Okay, so um, they, you have this prepared table. Um, there's going to be sustenance there, right? There's going to be what you need to survive, but then there's also going to be decadence. There's going to be pleasure, pleasure food, like food that you just enjoy. This is not going to be um, a unceremonious eating of a sandwich, right? You didn't go through the trouble of preparing a table for a sandwich, right? Okay. Um, now, here's the question. Who in this verse prepares the table? God. Yeah, it's not me out of my lack, but it's God himself out of his abundance and love. Pretty cool, right? And um, best of all is I don't have to wait until heaven for all these blessings. Again, this is why I think that it's so weird that they often show this uh, verse in the context of a funeral, okay? Because it says that you're preparing the table in the presence of my enemy. Who's my enemy? Satan. And where is he? Um, here on earth, not in heaven, right? No. Right. He's actually scared of hell. He should be. <laughs> so like everyone should be. <laughs> right. His 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 blessing, his provision, his protection, and his favor is here for me right now. I don't have to wait until I get to heaven to have those things because he is preparing a table for me now here in the presence of my enemy. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Okay. Do you know anything about oil in the Bible, what that represents? Um, it represents life and, wait, no, it's blood. Um, 
it represents like anointing someone. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually when people would anoint someone king, they, uh, the prophet Samuel did this with Saul and David. Uh, they would anoint the person's hair, but they would also anoint the ground around them. Well, they'd like pour a whole bottle over you. Like yeah. it wasn't like, you know, I think that we think of a couple of drops anointing. Like no, 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 no. They're no, they like. Back. There was a there was a flask of oil and you were dripping wet with it, okay. And so the 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 symbolism of the oil. Why well, did I just imagine Dave getting home to Jesse and just like, what happened? Yes. Right, right. Just dripping of oil. Take a while. Right. So so the symbolism of the oil, of course, the oil is also used in the lamp of the um, tabernacle or of the temple, right, to keep the menorah they're burning, mm-hmm. which is symbolic of God's presence. So the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So when he says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows, this is actually a reference to the Holy Spirit. Okay. All the way back in the Old Testament. We don't just make this stuff up. Okay. So in the Bible, Oil anointing indicates the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, David was anointed, but so are we, right? Um, We become the temples of the Lord when we accept Jesus into our lives. And Jesus has already sent the helper, which is the Holy Spirit. David doesn't just stop there, though. He doesn't just say, I have the presence of the Lord with me. He says, his cup overflows. And that means he's not just indwelled with the Holy Spirit, but he's filled with the Spirit as well. And there's outpouring of spiritual giftedness in David's life, which I think we can see as a leader, David is clearly anointed by God, right? Um, And so finally he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, And so, again, this, this is, like I said, this is the only reference to heaven in the whole thing, right? Okay. Um, So let's break this down. The promises for today Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, right? But then the, the goodness and mercy is following me all my days, but that's not all. There is forever. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever in God's house, forever in God's presence, forever is eternal in heaven. Pretty cool, right? Like such a cool psalm. Um, but um, and interesting that so many people know about it, but so few people really kind of break it down. So there it is for you, Psalm 23. So we're going to cut to commercial breaks. We're running a couple minutes overtime even still. And then we'll do some Q&A. We'll give out our number in case you guys want to give us a call. We will see you soon. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now. So why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked, or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. 
Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out marty.com. Have you looked at the price of Bitcoin lately? Cryptocurrencies are the hottest financial investment right now. Well, what if you can get free Bitcoin fractions by having an app on your phone or PC? Introducing Lolly, a website that rewards you with free Bitcoin pieces with your online purchases. You purchase from one of thousands of companies like Chewy, Old Navy, Groupon, and others. You get a percent of your purchase back in Bitcoin. Use my link on freedomizerradio.live or find me on Facebook for your special link to get started. Lolly, earn free Bitcoin while you shop. Hello, everyone. I want to introduce you to our friends at Marty.com. At Marty, you can stock up on all your pantry items and other household items for way, way cheaper than traditional grocery stores. I like that most of the items are organic. Also, I really dig their one-cent deal of the day. It changes every single day. I recently snagged a 10-ounce bag of dog treats for Chewbacca for a penny. Normally, they sell on their site for $7.99. With the upcoming food shortages, this is my favorite place to stock up on canned goods. If you live in the mountain or Pacific time zones, you need to get with Marty.com. M-A-R-T-I-E.com. Look for our link on our FreedomizerRadio.com website and get a $10 free just because I told you to go there. Marty.com. Great deals, good feels. Hey guys, we're back. Dynamic Word Bible Studies. This is your host, Felicia, my co-host. He's my son. He's amazing. I dig the kid. You're one of my three favorite kids. You only have three. Well, that's good that you're in the top three. I'll sometimes have them out for a Hey, I didn't say you weren't necessarily. I just didn't say you were. Hey, Caleb, I'm just a wishing. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to do our Q&A. Um, and uh, you guys are welcome to join us. I have the chat room open. If you want to post any questions or you want to post your answer there, I'd ha- be happy to read it on- online. We have a guest call in number 319-527-6208. That's 319-527-6208. Press 1 and let us know that you want to talk to us. Um, so first question, we're going to go back to our Bible study on uh, Romans. What graces do you possess, that's like gifts or talents, um, that you think you could use in your church body? What do you think, Cross? I don't know. I like helping a lot. Like, like in the little kids class because uh, I remember going there and just like having like a role model to kind of like look up to was definitely really good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also kind of like speaking mm-hmm. in front of people. 
unlike my sister. But I think I got that from you. Could be. Could be. Yeah, I think you're a good teacher, too, aren't you? Yeah, I think if, so. If I have something prepared and if I, uh, like, do it for, like, a week and a half beforehand, maybe I can come up with something good. Well, even just talking, you teach me a lot. Yeah, I think you're good at that. So, um, for me, obviously, okay, I, I do. I, I teach, right? That's that's one of the things that I would say. Um, I'm kind of a teacher and evangelist, but I do like to help um, where it's needed. So I tend to show up to all those times. Um, I do find that um, oftentimes ladies are given hospitality-type helps to do, things like setting up tables and cooking and baking, and I'm like the worst at those. Uh, <laughs> I have a, Me too. I can never do anything right. There's this really lovely woman at our church who has been teaching me all these things um, because I'm just really so bad at them. And so... <laughs> She is so patient with me in, like, showing me how to properly do things because I don't, you know, we're we're kind of, if you come over to our house for dinner, you're very likely to get served on a paper plate. Um, we're, we're not very formal around here, are we? No. No. So um, it's really nice that uh, one of the ladies teaches me some of these etiquettes and graces. Heck, we might give you diapers and napkins. Uh, no, I don't think we've ever gone that far, but. Uh, we don't have any babies to. So we don't ask no, no, no. But um, yeah. So, so yeah. No diapers for napkins, but you know, there's there's wet wipes someplace. But (laughs) 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 but that's just because those are super functional. Anyway, so um, when you speak about Jesus, um, serve at church or serve elsewhere in the body. What tasks do you feel empowered by the Holy Spirit when you do them? Again, for me, I feel like this is really, um, really, really teaching um, is when I feel empowered by the Holy Spirit. Although I would say giving is um, a real joy. That was one that was very difficult for me to really kind of wrap my head around because we went through a period of time where our finances were really, really tight. And um, I would actually get really nervous giving. But at one point, I just kind of took God up on the challenge of, like, like something's, like, going to come up and, like, you really, really, really need to spend the money that you accidentally gave. Or that, that I intended to give for a good purpose, but now I've left my family without something that they need. Right. Yeah. So so um, at one point, I really felt like I just needed to take God up on, you know, this is one of those things where he challenges us. He's like, he's like, give, and I'll give it back to you in abundance. Like, just just trust me. And um, that was a big leap of faith for me to learn to trust him in giving. And it is really joyful when you can give when it's not out of your abundance and you see God work. Because I can't tell you, like, we have often gotten random checks in the mail um, for things that, like, we shouldn't, like, things that we weren't expecting. I remember one time I got a check, um, pretty decent one, like over $500, and we were in need at the time of the $500, and it was for back payment, overpayment uh, on a car, and I can't tell you how many years it's been since I've had a car loan, but I think it predates you two children, so we're talking like a 19-year-old loan. And I've moved. And like they decided to send it now. Right. And I've moved twice since then. 
like crazy. And I just got this random $500 check. And who overpays on a loan, particularly $500? Like nobody does that. Like, so so sometimes it's crazy to see how God orchestrates these things to show up right when it's your time of need. Um, But that is really empowering too. But I think primarily, predominantly, I feel when I'm when I'm teaching. Okay. So how about you, buddy? When do you feel the Holy Spirit? Um, most you feel that joy well up. You feel, you know, strengthened when you're serving. Um, there was one particular time where I'm not old enough to serve at our church yet, but there's like two more months, yeah. and then I'll be able to serve at our church. Right. Because I'm turning 12 in two months. Whoop whoop. Woo! And this is really weird because we've been doing this for almost a year because we started it like. Yeah. A couple weeks before I turned 11. Yeah. So. Insane, right? Yeah. This is really weird. Um, and we're still in Romans, people. We're still we're in still, Romans. We've been doing this for like a year. We're still in Romans. We've got about a quarter of the book left, and then I'm hoping that we'll take like at, at least maybe a month John. break, and then we'll start on the Gospel of John if you want to keep doing it with me. Yeah. And uh, my half-sister, she actually goes to another church, and... Um, so I went there for Mother's Day mm-hmm. because you guys were in adulty service and Mariah, and Mariah, I was like, Hey, can I like serve in the kids ministry? And she's like, sure. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a class that needs your help. And it was actually the class that I'd been there a few times. It was actually the only class that I'd actually went to. Okay. It was like right because you haven't been to the middle school service there right, yet. and I barely made the gap because like I was, I, I'm in seventh grade. Like the oldest kids there were in like fifth or sixth grade, so mm-hmm. they were like, "How old are you?" I'm like, "Almost 12. and they're like, "Cool, I'm eleven." I'm like, "Ugh." Huh. And there was this one girl who came up to me after the. Uh, after the teaching and all the other kids were like playing and laughing and screaming. Sure, where kids do. No, like it was actually really loud in there. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> like he deafening. Yes, deafening. to make a rule of no screaming. I'm like, isn't that a given? <laughs> <laughs> you have to say this. Anyways. <laughs> um, there's this little girl. She came up to me. I have to say she was about seven. She's like, so, um, what is this? I don't remember the first question she asked me because she asked me, like, 20 questions. Um, she's like, so what does this mean? I'm like, well, I pulled out my Bible. It said this means this. And I remember the most, the most, que- the question that she asked the most was she asked, uh, what do I do to get salvation? And so I told her what you have to do to get salvation, and she said, "Okay, can you can you read me what that what that says in the Bible?" And uh, I was like, "Sure." And I opened it up to I think it was somewhere in John, where wait no it was uh, where Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, no one goes to the Father except through me." And she's like, "Just like goes through you." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. You have to accept." Oh. She was the cutest little thing every time she was going to ask a question. She, like, scooched up a little bit, and she's like, um, what? 
then what? She had her hands behind her back. It was so cute. And, like, it was the funniest thing because she also was like, can you just read me a story from the Bible? I was like, yeah, sure. Which story do you want? I was like, Old Testament or New Testament? She's like, surprise me. I was like, okay, then. Uh, it, it, it was, like, the best thing. I think I brought a girl to salvation. That's pretty awesome. So you definitely have the heart of a teacher, don't you? See, I told you. <laughs> he just squished his nose at me. Um, so how does it make you feel to know that God works through normal daily activities as well as the miraculous? Like, you don't have to be able to lay hands on people and heal their blindness in order for God to use you in big ways. Um, I was, I think, I don't remember when I learned it. I think I was today years old when, (laughs) when I learned that I didn't have to be like, like this super Pastor Joey preacher. Um, like I don't have to be like laying my hands on the sick and healing them. That's, that's mad bonus to do that. Like but super like, bonus. For real. Be <laughs> real, Holy Spirit. I would love that. That'd be so cool. Okay. Right. <laughs> and I've prayed in tongues, I think three times. Okay. But but you don't have to do the miraculous things. Like right. just you showing up and being obedient and doing the things that God's calling you to do, that's enough for him. Like good attitude, like that that's share his word. Like, yeah, that's, be faithful like, in the natural giftings that he's already given you. Right. He's good with that. Like so awesome, right? Like, that's really, I, I think that that's really cool, and it's an encouragement for, like, those of us normal Christians, right? You know, we're not we're not evangelists. We're not, you know, uh, tent revival preachers and stuff like that. Um, we, we can, like, really dig into the fact that God's using us where we're at, and that's cool, you know? Um, such a blessing to know that. So um, let's see here. How... Now, do you find yourself drawing closer to God in your dark valleys when you're scared? This is a reference to that Psalm 23. Uh, Like, what kind of scared? Like, I don't know. Sometimes you're, so like for me, sometimes the dark valleys haven't just been because I'm scared, you know. Um, Sometimes the dark valleys have been because, you know, just bad circumstances in my life, usually of my own doing. Um, <laughs> like, let's be real about this. Usually I, my fault. I remember, like, a year ago, I think that my biggest fear wasn't actually in this world. My biggest fear was that uh, when I get, like, when I get to heaven, like, God wouldn't, like, be there. Like, he, like, Satan would be ruling heaven. Okay. And, like, God would be, like, in handcuffs, I guess. Well, we know the ending of the book, so I think we're okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That would be be bitterly scary. I will will give you that. You'd be like, oh, man. And I forgot about this. Like, I thought over it uh, when I learned that Jesus is Lord. I forgot about it until, I think, like, last month. And that's when Gabe asked the exact same question. Uh, okay. He asked it to me. I was like, "What? I don't know. Tell, ask the teacher. And he's like, okay, so what would happen if we got to heaven and God wasn't king? I'm like, dude, ask the teacher. I'm not going to turn up my face to answer that. 
<laughs> Might you be wrong information? I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, so I'm going to tell you about, like, so my valleys can be, sometimes they're scary. Like, I've had times where, you know, um, I've, I've been held up before. Like, that was a scary situation, okay? Um, you know, but then there are also times where, like, we've just made bad decisions, and so our life circumstances are, are not what we'd want. By our life circumstances are just sad and upsetting and stuff like that. And I do um, absolutely find that in those times, as I'm making decisions and trying to walk in the right way, especially if I know I've gone off path, you know, I've made some bad decisions that have caused a bad circumstance in my life, and now I'm trying to right my way. Um, I'm absolutely drawing closer to Jesus. Um, and, and like I said, in that scary circumstance where I was, um, held up, I ended up getting lost in the bathroom with somebody and we were talking about God um, because he was like, you are way too calm, like what is going on? And I'm like, oh, well, you know. Um, Bro, someone like I've got, actually, I've got Jesus on my side. Someone in my troop actually pulled me over because I'm like a calm and quiet kid. Not because I'm calm and quiet. I am kind of calm. No, I'm, like, almost never quiet. You're pretty chill. And someone asked me, hey, are you okay? Like, are you going through depression? I'm like, no, why? And they're like, because you're always quiet. And I'm like, uh, no, it's because everyone behaves like monkeys. Oh, my gosh, middle school boys, I can't even tell you. <laughs> you're like, you're like, listen, don't don't mistake my chill, okay? I, I'm just chill. Like, uh-huh. up, in, up until, like, high school. I'm just waiting, waiting until the day that they're like, hey, remember how you were so chill in middle school and everyone thought you were cool? Man, wish I could have been that kid. That's probably not going to happen in high school. No, like after high school. Yeah, maybe maybe well after high school. Well after okay, high school. Yes. <laughs> maybe when they're like in their 30s. Uh, we all lose our minds for a few years, so. Um, so let's get to our last question here. Um, we usually think of blessings coming in heaven. How does it make you feel knowing that your table awaits you right now? All I can say is I hope they have boba in heaven and I hope they have Pringles in heaven. Uh, yeah. Like, I remember there's a But they word. have boba and Pringles right now that you can enjoy. Right. Except you deprived me of Pringles since I got back from Geronimo. Oh, man, that's rough. That's rough. No. Uh, so I remember this verse. I don't, I don't exactly know. This is what I know I need to up my Bible knowledge again. Um, that it said, whatever, uh, whatever is taken from you will be in heaven, and whatever is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Okay, so it's a little bit different. So actually we were just chatting about this verse the other day. Uh, this is when Peter um, – Jesus asks who Peter says he is. Oh, and yeah. He says you're the you're you're the Lord, Son of the Living God. And then um, Jesus tells Peter, um, you know, that this is something that was supernaturally revealed to him from his Father in heaven, and that he's going to give him the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Um, now, just just to know, this is not for Peter because he was extra smart and got the answer first. Um, I think we tend to think that because, like, we're we're used to this performance-type mentality. But it's not just for Peter because he got the right answer first. The keys to the kingdom of heaven are available to anyone who declares that Jesus is Lord, uh, Son of the living God, and makes them Lord of their life, okay? That'd be hilarious if I got to heaven just be like, 
Where am I? Conk. Keys to heaven. Oh. Well, so so they're not awaiting you in heaven. They're available to you now. Okay? So what he says is that whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever was loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. So it's not talking about Pringles and Boba, although you could probably lose some Pringles and Boba if you wanted to. Um, what, what it's really talking about is um, spiritual warfare um, and utilizing the name of Jesus. This is why a lot of people, when they pray, and they're praying against, say, a, an evil spirit, they'll say, I, I bind it in Jesus' name to cast it out because that's, they're invoking this, um, this gift that Jesus has given of the binding and loosing of the key to heaven. So, interesting, and, right? And, like, something that really, like, piques my interest in one of the Bible stories is when Jesus was uh, uh, getting demons out of the man, uh, they, like, said, um, please do not, like, kill us, you son of the living God. Like, they knew that Jesus was the son of God. Right. And, and so it's interesting because angels are eternal beings, right? So, um, and, and people are all eternal beings, too. This is like, this is like a whole theological thing, like, um, because uh, people are uncomfortable with the concept of heaven, not necessarily heaven, but hell, right? And people eternally existing in hell. Um, but the alternative is that God destroys people, and that's not good, right? Okay. Right. And so clearly, though, he seems to have the power to at least destroy angels. Otherwise, they wouldn't have said, please don't kill us or right. please don't destroy us, right? Um, so, so that's interesting. Uh, clearly, they would rather live in hell than be destroyed. Right. So they said, send us into the, those pigs. Right. The pigs, like, literally, uh, like, threw themselves into a river. So I guess the demons died anyway. Right. But I really strongly believe that hell... Um, is not a torture chamber necessarily. I really feel like hell is um, the absence of the presence of God. You know how, like, in the Bible it says all the time that no one could even look on upon God's face, that, that it would destroy them, it would kill them? Um, uh, and so I really feel like hell is right now that um, because God's presence would destroy us because we're sinful creatures, right? Um, he's waiting He's holding back and withholding his presence from his creation, his universe. Um, and he's waiting to reveal his presence till um, the earth is redeemed and his people are renewed and they have that renewed flesh. Um, and so those people who don't get it, well, I mean, we've already heard that his, his presence is really destructive, right? Um, it's just powerful, more powerful than we can handle. So when he reveals his presence, that I think is really what it is that causes that torture and that burning is that it's just overwhelming. So when, so a good analogy that I would use for God's presence is the sun. Yeah, yeah, it would be like if you were exposed to the sun in your in your earthly body, you couldn't handle it. it right, it, it would, would be suck. too hot. It, you like you would actually die. Right, right, but, but because people like, are eternal, they're not going to die. It's holy and unique like, in our universe, because it it provides us light and life, because we can't really survive without the sun. Right, 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 right. So on the surface, I'm going to say that's a good analogy. Of, of, there might be something wrong with it that I haven't caught yet, but 
But, yeah, I think that that's probably a good analogy. So you could imagine if we were all just exposed to the rays of the sun, um, our earthly bodies couldn't handle it. Our unredeemed bodies couldn't handle it. But when we get this redeemed body, then we're able to um, experience the glory of God in a way that we've never been able to and experience his presence in a way that we've never been able to. But those who haven't been redeemed, that that would be a, a quite unpleasant experience. But um, how long should God withhold his presence from his creation? Yeah. So um, so that's why it's our choice. It's not that I think a lot of people have this concept of God, this, this mean God who casts them into hell, and I don't see that at all. Like, we're all hell-bound because of our own choices. Like, we made that decision, um, even if we weren't fully aware. You know, Satan didn't give us uh, the, the the legal details. Remember on that commercial where we were laughing about the guy giving all the legal details at the mm-hmm. end? And Satan didn't come with those things when he tempted us. Right. You know? He didn't say, oh, here, have this, you know, have this bad habit, have, have this Here, have, have this, this apple. <clears throat> you won't die. Right, and and he didn't say that. Side effects may include death. Right, (laughs) side effects may include death, eternal separation from God, and eternity in hell with me. (laughs) It is your own risk. (laughs) (laughs) That is perfect. (laughs) He didn't. He he didn't say that. Like, um, and that's and that's kind of the thing. Like, he he didn't give us the legal warnings, right? And so now we're kind of stuck in this situation. and, and perhaps ignorantly, but we're still in rebellion against the Lord, and we need to be redeemed and restored. And that restoration process, you know, is what God says it is, and that is to accept Jesus, to obey him, and to love him. So, um, yeah, it's it's like this whole thing where we didn't get the legals on it, but um, we're still suffering those consequences. And, and because we are, um, you know, uh, we're already held down viewing God as some, you know, mean father who is punishing you for something you didn't quite understand. It's more like we were rebels in the first place. And he's the father who loves us enough to save us. You know, um, loves us enough to keep his presence hidden to a certain degree for now until it can be fully revealed. Mm -hmm. Um, until it's safe for us. That's a truly loving father. Cool. Mic drop. Mic drop. Is that where we end? I think that's where we end today. <laughs> Except the mic and put it back down. Don't drop it. We don't have another one. All right. So I guess that's probably where, we're, where we should end it today. What do you think? Oh, we were supposed to find out when you're not going to be here. Let's find that out real quick. I don't know if it's next week or the week after that. I think it's I the think week it's after. after. Yeah. yeah, the 26th you'll be gone. So we've got uh, one more week together, and then the 26th, I'm not sure if we'll um, skip or have a special guest. We'll figure that out in the next couple weeks. But we thank you guys for joining us this week. And next week will be... Got a little off topic, but that's okay. It was a fun conversation, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it. Sunspects include death. Sunspects include death. Eternal separation from God, eternity in hell. With me. <laughs> With me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, guys, and have a great day. And now we're going to go and do some schoolwork. Yay. I know you're excited. (laughs) Have a blessed day, guys. God bless you. Goodbye. Bye.